Welcome to Where I'm From, the podcast that proves no matter how far you go, you'll always keep a little piece of home with you. I'm Bill Meeks, and now it's time for part two of my discussion with Rebecca Johnson about where she's from, Birmingham, Alabama. I'll ask Rebecca what it was like growing up in Birmingham, why she left to pursue a media career in Atlanta, and what drew her back years later. Okay, let's talk to Rebecca. All right, Birmingham. Birmingham. Okay, so are there any local scandals or urban legends or Birmingham stories that you think people who don't live there might find interesting? Scandals. I mean, obviously, there's the the I mean, the civil rights movement had a lot of things that happened in Birmingham. Oh, yeah. The uh, the 16th Street bombing uh, happened in Birmingham. I actually drove by it today. That was interesting because when I worked at WBTM, that was during the time when they I forget all the details, but they they eventually prosecuted those guys who set off the bombs and they they figured mm-hmm. out who it was and they they put those guys away. And that happened while I was working in news. I, I remember that being a monumental thing that they all those many decades later mm-hmm. got justice for what happened at 16th Street. Why don't you uh, explain to the listeners if they don't know uh, what exactly happened? Basically, when you boil it down, um, 16th Street Baptist Church is a church in downtown Birmingham. And one morning, everybody was going to church on a Sunday. And um, there there were four little girls in this little Sunday school class who uh, were, there was a bomb that was set off and they died in that explosion. Oh, wow. It was done by some, some pretty bad guys who mm-hmm. I guess just had an animosity towards the black people of that church. And um, so it was very uh, contentious uh, in Birmingham during the civil rights uh, era. There's there's a lot of horror stories about Bull Connor, who was a politician at the time, who he put hoses on mm. the black people downtown. And there's horrible pictures of, of that happening. So that's probably the worst part of Birmingham's history. I'm trying to think if there are any like funny scandals <laughs> that would have been something that would have been yeah, uh, that was the more opposite. humorous. <laughs> yes, that was pretty that's pretty serious. But uh, but one of the things I think should be said about Birmingham that I never hear anybody talk about and which always kind of upsets me about the way um, like the I think it's called the Green Book, the Black Book, whatever that movie was called that won all those Oscars about the uh, the guy who drove the the famous black guy around and they went to those places that were safe for black people at the time. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. But the Green Book, maybe? In that movie, it portrays Birmingham as this racist place. And at the time, it probably some of that was going on. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's upsetting for me to watch that stuff now because Birmingham has moved so past that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm so pleased with how people treat each other in Birmingham, either downtown Birmingham or the uh, the outer suburbs that are associated with it. And I, I just I'm so glad that that's not the case anymore. Um, so I, I wish more people talked about how we've progressed as a society here in Birmingham um, since those terrible times. Yeah. So uh, so I just wanted to make that be mentioned that, you know, we're not all Bull Connors down here. We actually get along fairly well. And maybe that's why I can't think of any scandals. I, <laughs> I will say that that's absolutely, you know, good to hear that it feels like it, it's it's moved on from from, you know, the really bad old days. Where do you think Birmingham, especially like on these issues of race and things that it's known for, uh, where do you think it stands now in comparison to, say, any other 
modern American city. I'm sure some people would probably not believe me when I say this, but I think we're probably, in my experience, maybe other people have experiences that would inform them otherwise. But mm -hmm. I think we're down here in Birmingham and maybe even in Alabama, the South. I don't I don't see a lot of prejudice stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, you know, I live there. Black people in my neighborhood. I work with black people and I just I never see things and not I don't want that to be like, well, I have a black friend. I'm not doing that kind of thing. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. like uh, that that I don't see those kinds of things going on. And maybe it's because it's not in my area. I don't mm -hmm. know. But I just I, I remember being in Railroad Park, which is now a really beautiful part of downtown Railroad Park, is this public park. The Alabama Symphony plays there down there sometimes. They have concerts. You can go down and walk your dog. I think there's like a little skate park. Runners go down there. And I remember one time we went down there for Christmas and they had a little ice skating rink, kind of a makeshift man-made kind of a thing. Because in Alabama, we don't, if we get snow, it's in like April for some reason. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but uh, there was an ice skating rink. And I remember while I was standing there thinking how remarkable this is. There were black people, white people, Hispanic people, all kinds of different races, ethnicities, diversity that was happening all in that just that little ice skating rink. And I just I thought to myself how amazing that was that just, you know, decades before this would have not been a thing that Birmingham would have been known for. And so I, mm -hmm. I, maybe people, other people don't think that's an amazing thing, but I just, I kind of stop and think about that sometimes. And I guess there's an element of Southern hospitality that goes with some of that stuff now that everybody's just real friendly to each other. And, and we call out the jerks that they're jerks. Like we, <laughs> we <laughs> let them know it. Um, but I, I just think that we have, uh, we have progressed so much um, since then. And I, I would like to think that we are less prejudicial than most cities. Because I think if you know that history, when I was growing up, I knew all of that history. Mm -hmm. I knew about the 16th Street bombing. I knew about MLK Jr. I knew about the civil rights stuff that happened in Birmingham. We, we were taught that in school. Yeah. And I always remember thinking like, I don't want to be like that. And so I don't know if there were other kids like me in my generation, but uh, but I think maybe that has informed some of our the way that we act now. Yeah, I'd imagine, you know, growing up in that area, not only hearing it about it in history class, but probably, you know, firsthand accounts from like aunts, uncles, grandparents and stuff would have a profound effect on, uh, you know, how you treat those sorts of issues. Yeah, obviously, you know, it has to be better than the 50s and 60s. Right. It, it, it's good to hear that, you know, it's on an upward trend. And, uh, you know, let's hope that continues. I agree. All right, Rebecca, you've been a media professional for a number of years, but you also have a history of volunteering as a camera person at Buckhead Church in Birmingham. Uh, well, actually, it's Mountaintop uh, Church. Buckhead was in Atlanta. Oh, Mountaintop Church? Yeah, uh, I was a, I was a volunteer at Buckhead uh, Church in Georgia, in Atlanta for 14 years and then Mountaintop Church uh, for three years. Gotcha. Well, uh, why don't you tell me about uh, how you got involved with uh, the Atlanta Church and how it's transitioned over into the Birmingham Church now that you're back? Yeah. So when I was in Atlanta, I wanted to find a church and get involved somewhere. And so a, a friend of mine, my friend Christy, just happened to be, I, I knew her from college and uh, I was asking her where she went to church and what she was doing. And so she invited me to go over to Buckhead Church. And back then, th this was so long ago, uh, it was actually a church in, a, in an old grocery store. So they had <laughs> renovated an old grocery store. And uh, you could tell it was a grocery store when you kind of mm -hmm. walked in, you could kind of feel it. 
Um, but I um, just wanted to get involved with the production crew because I had experience with that. And when I was in Atlanta, I was working at Turner, but I was not using camera operation skills uh, mm-hmm. while I was in my day job. So I thought <laughs> that would be a good way to keep up some of those things that I had learned because uh, I pretty much went there two years out of college. So I had learned all that stuff in college and wanted to keep up those skills. So. And they divided them up into smaller groups and they would be given the task of doing the things at the temple that needed to be done. So you worked a few weeks and you were off and went back to your, you know, doing your normal I job. I fit right in there and did that for a long time. It was a live production uh, uh, skill set that I did. I did roaming cameras and stationary cameras. And so then when I moved to back to Birmingham, I was like, well, I've been doing that so long. I should find another place <laughs> to go to, to go to church and then try to get involved. And so I did seek out a church that had a pretty good production service opportunity. And so I, I do that maybe once a month, not as m- much as I maybe did at Buckhead Church, but yeah. I try to do it once a month and uh, it's usually stationary cameras. Were you able to bring in any practices or techniques or anything from Atlanta, bring them back home to Birmingham? Yeah, it's really funny because the church in Atlanta was very fast paced. We had six cameras. And so the directors that, you know, would direct there, they did it a lot. They knew what they were not to say that the the directors of the church <laughs> I go to now don't know what they're doing. No shade, no shade. It was much more fast paced and it was much more. Uh, you know, the cuts were faster and the moves are faster. And, and so the, that's kind of I've had to transition a little bit out of that. But I try to find ways to be creative with a stationary camera, which can be tough sometimes. So I play with focus and racking focus and um, mm-hmm. uh, try to find creative ways to do stuff. But I, I would love to try to sit in the director's chair at some point. That's one of my goals is to maybe <laughs> work my way up, do a little technical directing and then work my way up to to directing. Because I think I could make some adjustments and bring some of those skills with me. Well, there's definitely one or two little productions I've I've heard of that you kind of serve that role in like Supergirl Radio, for example. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I actually I actually do a lot of video stuff for Supergirl Radio. So so basically I, I think what we need to do here, we need to do like a letter writing campaign, right? To to get okay. you to get you to be director. <laughs> <laughs> well I've tried to start off, you know, earning my cred by, you know, doing my time as a camera operator and then eventually mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll get that chance in the future. But, you know, I want I want to earn that rapport with everybody else on the team. So so when that when I get to the director's chair, they'll all respect me because they're like, Rebecca knows what she's doing. I'll put myself full camera here so I can say Rebecca does know what she's doing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that vote of confidence. So, Rebecca, when I you said you were going to come on the show to do this episode, I knew I had to ask you about this. And we kind of alluded to it before. Uh, you starred uh, in my comedy podcast series, The Fakest, as a character named Leanne Snyder, who just so happens to work in a local Birmingham news station before getting a job for a na- national outlet in another city. With my new contract signed, I hopped on the Greyhound bus back to Birmingham so I could collect my things and tell my grandma goodbye. Let's just say it didn't go great. Hey, Grandma! You'll never guess what. Oh, you lovely little Lee Annabelle. You didn't get that silly big city job. Here, dear, sit down and let Grandma make you a nice cup of her special memory tea so you can forget all about it. Save your brew for somebody who needs it, Grandma. You're looking at the new executive producer in charge of production for The Fakest. I'll be working in somewhere west of New York City. Isn't that exciting? 
me in the big city. Pretty similar to the Rebecca Johnson story uh, by design in a lot of ways. What was it like for you to play a character for three years that was kind of very much based on you and your actual real life? You actually made it so easy for me because I'm not an actress. I don't know anything about acting. I've never studied acting. Uh, even when I was a kid, I tried to do plays and things. I could never mm -hmm. memorize stuff. I was terrible. Uh, I did a one-act play in high school my senior year. I was mostly an extra. So it was <laughs> so this was actually a good uh, way to dive into being a voice actress. And mm -hmm. it, it was nice for me because I didn't have to really be an actress. I could just, I could just, yeah. uh, be myself. And so, uh, I, I don't think I'll be doing any other, uh, performance based voice acting. Cause I don't think I would be able to do it, but, um, actually playing a character that was based off me helped, helped me a lot in doing that. Cause I, I remember when you asked me to do it and I was like, really, do you want me to do this? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think I'm right for this. Uh, but having something that I knew about and was familiar with, and uh, especially with the news component, I, I, I felt very at home there uh, with, with some of the ways that the stories were told and the things that they were doing. Uh, so that was actually, it was the right choice uh, to, to, to base it on uh, part of my life. Yeah, the really interesting thing was, is that there a lot of the individual details I based on your life uh, sort of happened in your life after the fact. Like the one thing that I think of is I always had a plan for uh, Leanne to come work at the fakest. And eventually when her story concludes and she wins the day, go back home to Birmingham, you know, return the hero's journey returned from when she came. Leanne, I never let myself believe you'd actually leave, but you should. You've grown our little fakest fam into something pretty special. Without you, this whole place would have crumbled years ago. Go on home, Leanne. You've earned it. Ah, uh, come here, you big faker. I love hugs. <laughs> you two are warm. Paul? Yeah, Leanne and Grandma Snyder, who is hugging us right now, too? <laughs> you still need to reimburse me for that time I picked up your car at the mechanic. Oh, 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 I, hey, <laughs> um, uh, look over there. The ghost of Birdman Stan. Really? Nope. Later. I can turn him into a pumpkin if you want. I think it, it was a few months before I started working on the last season of The Fakest, where I was going to write this, how Leanne gets back to Birmingham. You moved back to Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we started The Fakest, I was in Atlanta in my little closet recording that stuff in my house in Smyrna. So, yeah, that's right. I'm going to assume it was research for the role, which is why you moved back. <laughs> I was very dedicated. <laughs> well, I, that's actually probably a good thing to talk about, though, right now is, you know, you went to Atlanta for so many years and then you came back. Why did you end up coming back? And what was it like kind of readapting to an area you'd be gone from for, what, 14 years? Yeah, 14 years. In 2019, my mom had two pulmonary embolisms, which are two big blood clots mm. in your lungs. Ooh. And she was uh, in pretty bad shape with those pulmonary embolisms. And I remember being in the hospital uh, with her and my brother. And I just I hated having to leave them because I had to go back to Atlanta. And, and once she was kind of OK and back at the house, I had to go. Mm. And I remember thinking, you know, this this stinks that I ha I can't help anymore uh yeah. now and um 
that started a, a, a thought process for me that was like, you know, I could be there uh, more often than I am now. I could do that. And I had been looking for a new job for a couple of years before that anyway. So I was already trying to have an exit strategy <laughs> from, from Atlanta and maybe not even from Atlanta, just from my job. I, I worked at Turner for 14 years. That's back yeah. when they were Turner. And now I don't know what they're called. Warner they're, Media Group, whatever that's w- called. Warner now. Brothers Discovery uh, Learning Channel yeah. Expo. <laughs> I don't know what they're called now, but when I worked for them, it was uh, Turner. And um, I had been trying to find a job in Atlanta and somewhere else. And even within Turner, I tried to find other jobs and nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just took that that incident with my mom who who did get better and she's doing great now. But I took that as a as a thought experiment for myself. Like what would it be like if I did move back to Birmingham? How would that happen? What would it what would I do? Yeah. And I remember uh talking to my friend Monica about, you know, new jobs because she had transitioned into different jobs. Um and uh she always told me don't uh don't wait until you're out of work to get a new job. You know, make sure that you're you're still in a, mm-hmm. a secure job situation and then look for the job. It's um, monkey it's, bars, right? You gotta yeah. get your hand yes. on the next one yeah. before <laughs> Yeah. So I always thought about that. And so um, I just kept applying to things. And I I don't know what compelled me to, I guess maybe it was because I was looking for Birmingham close jobs um, that I found a, a job opportunity with the University of Alabama Museums. And I happened mm-hmm. to apply for it because I was like, well, that sounds like something I could do. Um, yeah. So I just I just applied to everything. I, I applied to the Botanical Gardens social media position like I, I, I won the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. I should specify. Um, so I was I was applying to everything that I thought I could do. And uh, it just so happened that that one took and that they were interested. And that was my exit strategy. So there were a lot of things that took me mm-hmm. out of Atlanta at Turner. I had some great times there. I did some really cool things. Conan O'Brien showed up one day and (laughs) that was kind of interesting. He hated the heat. He talked about that a lot. (laughs) Um, So there there were some, I I stood in a fire drill situation next to Robert Osborne one day and I still kick myself that I didn't ask him questions about Ginger Rogers, you know? (laughs) So I had some really interesting times at Turner but I, uh, towards the end of my career there, I didn't like my job anymore. It was actually kind of boring. I wasn't doing anything interesting anymore. I wasn't being challenged in what I was doing. I wasn't progressing anywhere. Yeah. And so I just, I was kind of over it. And uh, some, some of the culture there at that point was kind of unpleasant too. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there were just a lot of things that sort of built up my, my house was kind of a disaster where I <laughs> lived and I was kind of tired of living there. So it was just, there were so many things in my life at that time. that I was you like, for, you forgot the most important thing was that for a, like a year or two before you moved, one of your best friends in the whole world, Bill Meeks moved away from Atlanta. It's true. It was a real blow uh, <laughs> to my time I, in Georgia. <laughs> What's it been like for you uh, moving back? Uh, did you find your life sort of picked up right where it left off? Uh, well, I'm still trying to relearn Birmingham. I, I used to be able to get around downtown pretty well because before I worked at WDTM, I also interned for six months at uh, what was then the AmSouth 
bank building, which is now the Regions building. And so I worked at downtown for six months and then got a job at WPTM. So I was downtown a lot back then. And so now I'm having to relearn all the streets and where things are. <laughs> and so that's been uh, tough. But I mean, I would still come, even when I lived in Georgia, I would come home, you know, once or twice a month. So I still, I still kind of knew things, but I'm I'm trying to remember, you know, uh, certain elements of where things are and what to do, trying to figure out, you know, what's what's to do around here. I'm finding new museums and new things, you know, new activities uh, to do. It was probably hard for you because, you know, you moved back and then like, what, within a year, COVID-19 happened and everything within six months. I was I I was in my job and 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 living uh, with my mom for six months like this is a transition period before I go and, you know, get my own place or whatever. And then like the world fell apart and I was like, well, okay, this is what it is now. (laughs) So um, so it it has been a transitional period that I haven't uh, totally, I guess, gotten Mm -hmm. out of. Um, but I, I have enjoyed being back and I'm, I'm glad, I think it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made to, to come back. I I don't regret it at all. Cause even though I've gained weight since my, uh, my, my time back in Bernie, partially because of all the the good food here and also partially because Rebecca needs to exercise more. Being stuck in the house probably didn't help (laughs) a lot. I I know a lot of us are having this issue. So that's, that's, uh, that's my only complaint about being back in Birmingham. It it causes, it causes weight. (laughs) Another parallel that with our fakest storyline though, which I, I thought was really kind of interesting was probably about a year before the whole COVID-19 thing happened, we did an improvised episode, which you were great on, about the big red cloud in somewhere west of New York City. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where everyone went to quarantine for a month. And it was me or my character, Paul, your character, Leanne, and uh, Wynn Mercer's character, uh, Grace Hooper Safford, all locked up in a bunker uh, down below the station <laughs> for a month plus. And who, who know, like it, knew like a year later <laughs> that we would all like, basically be in that bunker (laughs) with a big red cloud welcome to the fake cast the official podcast for kcom studios the fakest where we discuss the stories behind the fake news my name is leanne snyder and i'm the new co-anchor here at the fakest and since we are holed up in a deep underground bunker on account of that red cloud poisoning the city out there I thought I would take this opportunity to get to know a co-worker and since paul and I and, well, Grace Huber Stafford is down here. Uh, I thought we would take some time to talk to Grace, our socio-political reporter. So, Grace. What- yeah, that was a uh, foreshadowing, I think. Foreshadowing for real life. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the fakest, go back and listen to that it. Is, that is a good one. There's stuff I called out in there that hasn't happened yet. You can be the first. You can be warned. <laughs> you can save yourself. It's all It's all just a prophecy podcast is what it is. <laughs> Folks, uh, we do have to take a quick break here uh, to take a word from our sponsor. Uh, but we're going to be right back in just a couple of minutes with more Rebecca Johnson, Birmingham. Tons of fun. Stay tuned. Where I'm From is brought to you by Streen Studio. That's S-T-R-E-A-N-N Studio. The web app that puts you in charge of the live show. Streen Studio allows you to take your streaming game to the next level by allowing you to stream to multiple platforms at once. If you want to go to Twitch, if you want to go to YouTube, you can stream to all of those platforms at once, get feedback from your audience, and most importantly, it puts you in control of the show. 
Now, Stream Studio has several packages that work for just about any type of broadcaster. From the free plan, where you can stream with a watermark, all the way up to the gold plan, where you can have up to eight guests, you can stream to as many social platforms as you want, you can get a web link to share your show with external audiences, and you can even get an iframe so you can embed your live stream show directly into your website. Hey, I love Stream Studio so much, I'm using it to produce this show. I want to thank Stream Studio for supporting where I'm from, and you can give this fantastic software a spin and support where I'm from at the same time. Just head over to our website at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from and click on the Stream Studio banner so they know we sent you their way. And we're back. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. You know, in addition to Supergirl, because you, you host Supergirl Radio, you're a big fan of Supergirl, you love comic books in general. Uh, were there a lot of outlets for a young comic book fan in Birmingham? Well, after that incident uh, with, oh, I, sh- I shouldn't say incident, after that <laughs> experience of going to the a local comic book shop to pick out my Dick Tracy comic, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really get as hardcore into comic books until I actually moved to Atlanta. So that's kind of where I started to really, really dig into to comic books. But even then, when I was, I think my biggest outlet for comics when I was growing up here in Birmingham were movies mm-hmm. and uh, TV shows. So I loved Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. I I Great did show. love and still do love the Helen Slater Supergirl movie. I don't care what you say. I still love it. I, I realize it has problems. I will defend it until my dying day. I, I'll um, just say really quick, the way you differentiate Supergirl from Superman is you put her in a world of magic. It works totally, 100%. I was a big Batman fan. Um, when, and I still am, but when I was growing up, Batman 89 was the stuff. And I think a lot of people of my generation, I, and I want to speak for you, Bill, uh, but Batman 89 was so transformative for a lot of people, especially for people who love comics. Absolutely. That, that was a movie like that Dick Tracy movie. I had the t-shirts. I went to, I went to the fast food places to get the stuff. I, you know, I had, I had the Prince album. Uh, I would play the, I remember playing the Prince songs uh, on a jukebox in Waffle House. Like Bat Dance and. Uh, Bat Dance, yeah. There's one that has like Vicky Vale, Vicky yeah, Vale. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In the same <laughs> so Batman 89 was such a big uh, movie for me when I was growing up. And I remember, so this may be like my, uh, my biggest comic book story that I can tell you that doesn't have anything to do with an actual comic book, but it's sort of tangentially related. Um, But when I uh, was growing up, I guess I must have been 12. Batman Returns came out on VHS. And I Mm. love Batman Returns. I probably love it more than Batman 89. I'm one of those weird people. I love Tim Burton. I know it's a kind of a creepy, weird movie. I think it's great. I think that's why I like it. But I remember it taking seven months for that to come out on VHS. I remember like counting down the days for that to come out. And it, this was back in the day when uh, we had things called, there was a store called Service Merchandise. Mm-hmm. And you had to, it was almost like a, a precursor to Amazon. You had to like order it and then somebody would go to the back and get it and it would come down on this like assembly line Oh, like line one thing. of those like catalog shops where you'd, like, of... you'd fill out the thing and you'd hand yeah. it at the counter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was It was a weird, why, why did we do that? That was so weird. <laughs> But I remember the day that my mom took me down, 
my mom really, now that I think about it, she really fed my uh, my nerd geeky things. <laughs> I don't know that my dad would have done this, but my mom took me down to buy the uh, VHS copy of Batman Returns. And mm-hmm. um, so that was that was kind of my biggest thing. I would sort of geek out on the the nerdy stuff in my private time and my personal life. But like yeah. when you're a girl growing up, going to high school, middle school, the geeks have it good these days. But back then... Um, in like the, the nineties and early two thousands when I was in college, like you didn't really talk about that stuff, even if you loved it. Cause you would get mercilessly mocked. Probably if you were a girl, people would have thought that was weird mm-hmm. and maybe it was, but I didn't care. Um, weird. but <laughs> I, I always say weird is good. People always like, go, oh, weird. I'm like, no, break, embrace the weird. <laughs> so I didn't really, uh, get a chance to dig into like really reading comics until I moved to Atlanta and. I was, you know, was kind of by myself. And uh, and so that was a way for me to mm-hmm. read and and kind of um, dig into something to to pass the time sometimes. When I, you know, when I first moved to Atlanta, I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I know that sounds like a sad, sappy story, but uh, comics were a good outlet for me to to read some of those things and connect to those characters in my free time. A lot of comic book fans have sad, sappy stories about it. Like me, I got into them so much because I was homeschooled and I wasn't really allowed to have friends outside of the church. and I didn't like the kids in our church. So I went and got comic books and I would and Superman was my friend. Batman was my friend. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah. So I I wish I had read more of them when I was growing up, but I I more so leaned into the adaptations of them uh, Mm -hmm. more than I did the actual the actual book. So once once it clicked for me, like what a comic book was and how, you know, the basically in my mind, it's like a storyboard. Yeah, it's a storyboard that tells the story of something. And I was like, oh, it's like a film. And so that really Mm kind of clicked for me. Um, And that that started my love for comic books. Along a similar line, the thing that kind of like really made me hook into comic books and think besides these are cool superhero stories. No, this is an art form. Got McLeod's thing where he talks about like the space in the gutters. And that's, you know, where your brain gets to make a movie every page of a comic book you read, you know, between the panels. Like someone had someone's like this with a gun and then the next panel, you know, there's smoke coming out of the end of the gun. You get to fill in that blank and it can be as big and expensive of CGI or whatever as you want, because, you know, you're the one imagining it. Yeah, I can actually tie that to a Birmingham centric uh, story. I love it. A couple of years ago, I went with my brother down to the Birmingham Museum of Art, and we were taking a class that was a free class offered there about slow art. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what slow art is, it's it's a movement in art to make you slow down and look at a painting or look at a sculpture and really, really take it in and and let that inform what you think about it. What do you, what do you feel about it? You know, so you might stare at a painting. It sounds silly, <laughs> but it's actually a really good practice. You look at yeah. a, a, in that class we looked at some paintings for about five minutes total silence with these other people in this group (laughs) and then the leader of the discussion would say so what do you think you know what sticks out to you and it Mm -hmm. was so funny because after so many probably i i don't remember when i how old i was when so it must have been a decade or more that i'd been reading comics at the time and because of my comic book reading when i did slow art i could feel the temperature of the stuff outside. I could hear the noises that might have been taking place in that 
you know, that landscape or whatever, you know, I could hear the, the little kids talking in the paint. Like I could just kind of envision that. And I think it was because of my comic book reading where I had to (laughs) read words that, you know, told you what the sound was and, and made you, or at least made me uh, have to feel what was going on in the comic book panels. And so I I don't Mm -hmm. think I would have had that same experience with art um, if I had not been reading comic books. And so I, I always attribute my ability to feel and appreciate art a little more because of comics. I, I always say, you know, it's uh, next to jazz. It's really one of the only American art forms. And uh, people think it's kid stuff, but there some, there's some pretty advanced stuff going on <laughs> in comic books for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Rebecca, well, We've almost done a full Toblowski. Uh, we've almost <laughs> gotten, uh, we've pretty much gone as long as Stephen Toblowski did, but I do have one more game for you. If you're okay. game for the game. Let's do it. Okay, excellent. This game's called Hometown Hot Takes. Now what we do here is I give you two options, two different things from your hometown, usually, and you have to pick one as a winner and explain why. Okay, I can, I can do this. Okay, first up, WVTM versus WDHM. DHN. I don't even know DHN. I believe it's the CBS affiliate. I know uh, ABC 3340. I know WBRC. Okay, let's do out of all the stations. Oh, okay. Which one do you pick? Oh, that's that's really tough because I haven't been inside. The only one I've been inside their studio recently, like within the last couple of weeks, was WBRC. And I was so impressed that everything has changed so much. <laughs> they have they have the um the remote control cameras inside this. There's nobody mm-hmm. in this. There's no camera operator in the studio anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's all the that, guy at like master control with a joystick. I, I, and I think that's cool. And it's, it looks cool. Cause they're like all these high tech cameras that are just kind of hanging from the ceiling. So it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but I think you also miss that human element of like actually having to truck a camera and like setting it up yourself. So, so there may be some, a, a downgrade in quality because of that. It's news. It's not exactly film or something, but there still is there's choice, artistic choices to be made and, you know, shooting a news person and rolling it around a news set. You know. Yeah, I have fond memories of WVTM and um, and the people there, even though it was super stressful. I really liked the people I worked with. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh, but if I had to pick one because uh, WBRC has been good to my job. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I will say WBRC just because they have been so um good to to what i do with uh, the university of alabama museums and i i'm just writing down here that your pick has a professional consideration attached to it <laughs> so it should be considered suspect that we can be transparent about that yes <laughs> okay uh next up in uh, this is since both companies have major bottling operations in birmingham coke versus pepsi Ooh, well if i was in atlanta i would have to say coke mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh but because that's the big mothership coke Yes, you can, you cannot drink Pepsi if you uh, if you <laughs> live in Atlanta. It's it's funny. A lot of people will when they talk about Southern things, they'll talk about peanuts and Coke. Mm-hmm. I have never once done that. I don't know who these people are who do like just that. Whole, toss whole peanuts into I, Coke. I guess so. Oh. I guess I'm gonna have to try it now that I'm back in Birmingham. I don't I don't know who these people are. Dude. It's like boba but aggressive. <laughs> but. I'm kind of more of a Pepsi girl. I remember uh, being in the Million Dollar Band when I was at the University of Alabama. And after the halftime shows, they would hand out Pepsis. And that was like your big reward for having done the halftime shows. You got that (laughs) 
at post halftime Pepsi. And that man, that was a good Pepsi. Like that was nice. just, like it just tasted so much better after that. <laughs> so I think if I had, I don't drink sodas anymore, mm-hmm. but I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Pepsi. Okay, so the Vulcan statue versus that Vulcan we all know as Mr. Spock. Well, I'm not a Star Trek person. I'm more of a Star Wars person. Uh, so I, I respect Spock. It's not that I'm hating on Spock, uh, but I just don't have an attachment to him. I've only been at the top of Vulcan once. I used to drive by it all the time because WVTM is right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in that same sort of location. You have to you have to go up the same scary hill uh, <laughs> to get there. And I remember before the world ended because of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was for your um, documentary that you were making. Mm-hmm. And one, you, you gave out some prompts. Yeah. And one of them was like uh, to go to a place in your hometown you've never been to before or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've been wanting to go to Vulcan and I haven't. Um, and it was, it was almost a mistake <laughs> because, uh, I was like, yeah, I can walk the steps. You have, you, you can walk the steps or there, there may be an elevator or something in there. I can't remember now. It's been a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, oh, I got this. I can get up the steps is no problem. And it was yeah. a severe amount of steps. I, I was like, I don't know that I can get to the top. So that was my first mistake. Then I got to the second, uh, mistake was when I got to the top, I finally made it. And I've developed over the last couple of years years like a little bit of a fear of heights Mm. (laughs) Uh, but I forced myself to do it Um, I was a little terrified to be on that edge I only stayed out there for maybe two minutes but I stayed out there long enough to get a selfie with a Vulcan (laughs) and go back down Um, but I was glad that I did it because Vulcan is such a recognizable uh, figure in Birmingham and uh, he was even used uh, Birmingham uh, was recently the host of the World Games and mm-hmm. he, I think he was used. They had the uh, trophies were little Vulcans. <laughs> uh, so I think Vulcan, even though you can see his bare butt, uh, <laughs> so he's mooning the entire city. Uh, I think he's a, 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 a landmark that you can't miss and is very Birmingham and actually has a great museum that's attached to it that tells the story of Birmingham. So if you go to Vulcan, go inside the museum because it's very well done. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go Birmingham Vulcan. On this you one. say mooning the city. I say high arts. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, you know, I don't know anything about sports. I'm going to try this here. Bulls versus Stallions. OK, so the Birmingham Bulls. Yeah. I have not been to a Birmingham Bulls game since I was probably in middle school. I need <laughs> to go back. I recently learned that the University of Alabama has a hockey team. And so I'm like, I got to go hockey games now. I've got the Birmingham Bulls and I've got the University <laughs> of Alabama hockey team that calls themselves the Frozen Tide, which I think is adorable. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to go Birmingham Bulls because I actually did used to go to, to those games a, a while back and I had a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, moon pies versus banana pudding. Oh, that's not even a question. It's banana pudding. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've tried moon pies. They they throw them out at uh, Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you don't know, Mobile, Alabama is actually the original Mardi Gras. New Orleans kind of took mm. it and has become maybe more famous. But They really ran with it. The, yeah. Mo- the Mobile Mardi Gras is the real deal. But in... Uh, in uh, the the Mardi Gras mobile, actually in the Million Dollar Band when I was at the University of Alabama, um, mm-hmm. we marched a parade. There was a Mardi Gras parade that we marched in, and I think we ended up marching like seven miles. It was something ridiculous. Oh wow! Um, it was it was so exhausting. <laughs> uh, I never want to march in a parade ever again. After <laughs> but I remember when we were marching, people would throw moon pies at mm. the band while we were we were going. I was like, nope. 
This has turned me off moon pies forever. Moon pies aren't particularly hard, but I'm sure getting one chucked at they, me does they not have feel a, great. There's a heft to them. There's a weight mm-hmm. to them. Oh, yeah. But yeah. banana pudding, though, even, even aside the Mardi Gras story, banana pudding is, you talk about high art. There is an art to that. Uh, Dreamland has a really good uh, banana pudding. A lot of the barbecue mm-hmm. places do some really good um, uh, banana pudding. But do they put like the uh, vanilla wafers in the banana pudding? Oh there? yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You got to have vanilla wafers in there. That's like a key component. Got uh, to. Yeah, I'm I'm a, b- a banana pudding girl all the way through. Okay, and Rebecca, last but not least, Alabama the state versus Alabama the band. I'm trying to think of all the songs I know from Alabama, the band. <laughs> Are they the ones that did Dixieland Delight? I cannot remember. I mean, Alabama, the state. I I, I think I there's probably a song by Alabama that I really like that I cannot think of at the moment. <laughs> um, but Alabama, the state, I just, I've really taken to heart to rediscover this place mm-hmm. because uh, there's a lot of amazing things here. And some things I did when I was growing up, like, you know, in Montgomery, we have the Shakespeare, the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. So I like to go down there uh, to see some Shakespeare. I try, you know, <laughs> I went to see Macbeth recently. and Shakespeare. If it's not Shakespeare, I don't want it. Um, <laughs> so like there, that's really awesome. Uh, I recently went to Helen Keller's house. I had never been there in Tuscumbia, Alabama. I'd never been to the Fame Recording Studios where Aretha Franklin uh, recorded Respect and, and you know, all of those things. Um, that's in Muscle Shoals, a very famous place for music. I'd never been there before. So I'm trying to mark off all these, like, famous places in Alabama that I have never been to. Um, and there's some small towns and some beautiful places uh, that I want to go to. Everybody tells me about Mentone, Alabama. What's in Mentone? I don't know, but everybody tells me to go there. So that Mentone, Alabama is on my list. And everyone I work with, I work uh, with the Alabama Museum of Natural History. and Mm -hmm. Everybody there talks about the biodiversity of Alabama, which basically means we have a lot of stuff here in terms of living organisms. And we have uh, like the best biodiversity here. That means we have a lot of variety of plants and trees and animals and bugs and birds and and so it's uh it's something that i'm trying to pay more attention to because of of how famous it is people will come to birmingham or well birmingham but the state of alabama people will come to alabama uh for research purposes because of that great biodiversity so we'll we'll have people from you know uh, I, I work with a guy who's from the Netherlands. I work with a guy who lived in New York at one point. Like uh, mm-hmm. pe- people come from all over to Alabama because um, our natural world um, and our nature areas are so beautiful and so unique. Um, so I, I just love being back in Alabama. I think yeah. it's a great place. People outside of Alabama have this uh, old-fashioned notion that we're all a bunch of rednecks and we don't have running water and we don't have shoes <laughs> and we just... You know, we're just uh, yes. Out. I know. I know. I wrote Grandma Snyder <laughs> on the fakest pretty country. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, for for the fakest, an exaggeration was actually appropriate. But a lot yeah. of people think we're just like rednecks who don't know anything that are just all inbred. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we have rocket scientists here. Like we have actual. Yeah. We send people to space. Like, wow, well, we have uh, we have an amazing um, uh, diverse uh, aspect of our history. Um, that, mm-hmm. that we have here in, in terms of 
I mean, even the fossil record and all this stuff. <laughs> I mean, Alabama used to be underwater, so there's a lot of sea creatures and, and shark teeth. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> crazy down here. So we have a lot to offer here in Alabama, and I really just don't I don't think people understand that Alabama is actually a really awesome place. And uh, so I just want to be the representative, if I can represent the state of Alabama, to say we deserve a little more respect, I think. And uh, you're welcome <laughs> for the space exploration. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rebecca, I, I have uh, some good news for you. You were losing. You had like negative 300 points. Mm. No, that, that's bad. That passionate advocacy for Alabama right there at the end put you over the top. You're at 17 yes. million points. You Thank win. You. Hometown hot takes. Congratulations. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I feel so accomplished. Thank you. Nice. All right. Well, that about does it uh, for the show tonight. Uh, Rebecca, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I I'm, I know you were a little hesitant to be on the show. I thought you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> if people enjoyed that Rebecca Johnson brand of content, where they can, can they find more of it? Sure. Uh, I am. I'm not a famous person. Uh, so I appreciate Bill slumming you're it with me. You're famous to me. <laughs> so I, I mean, you're the voice of Leanne Snyder from The Fakest. <laughs> I guess that does make me a, a voice actress of, of note. <laughs> um, but if you would like to follow me, uh, there are a couple of ways you can do it. Uh, you can check me out uh, on Superhero Radio or a weekly podcast about the CW Supergirl TV series, but about all things Supergirl and Cars or else. So if you like comics, if you like uh, animation, if you like if you like the Helen Slater movie, we talk about that. We actually <laughs> had a debate where we uh, debated it out. And I defended it. Uh, so we uh, talk all things Supergirl. So if you want to check that out, you can go to SupergirlRadio.com. Uh, I also have a, a personal YouTube channel, uh, YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd, uh, where I do film analysis. So I talk about uh, <laughs> other people's reviews and I talk about why they're terrible. Uh, <laughs> Um, and so I try to use that as a way to talk about art criticism and how we uh, talk about film. So I have that. And if you're interested in any of my uh, my daytime, my daytime, well, I guess daytime, but sometimes nighttime. Daytime, uh, day job. Yeah. Day job. I mean, sometimes I work, <laughs> sometimes I work at night. So sometimes it's nighttime. Um, uh, but you can uh, follow the University of Alabama Museums. We're on uh, all the, the big platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're also on uh, YouTube and TikTok. We got students doing TikToks for us. Um, um, and we we have five museums uh, that cover all manners of history. And I've learned to be a uh, uh, amateur paleontologist, archaeologist, <laughs> uh, naturalist, uh, historian. <laughs> uh, I've 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 taken on a lot of things uh, through my job. So if you want to check out what we do at the University of Alabama with the museums, you can follow us on all the uh, social platforms. A regular Renaissance woman, I'll tell you I, what. I try to be, and mostly because I have to be. So <laughs> so I, if I don't know what to do, I figure it out. So uh, I try I try to do as much as I can. Nice. All right. Uh, well, we want to thank anyone who showed up for the live stream tonight or is checking this out on the, the what is it, the DVR, the podcast route. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you like the show, uh, please go over and subscribe to the Where I'm From podcast YouTube channel. You can also leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I think Spotify does reviews or ratings. You know, uh, help us float us up to more people. And uh, you can check out everything about the show, show notes, links to the stuff we talked about, all of that stuff at billmeeks.com slash where I'm from. All one word. Other than that, uh, yeah, definitely shoot me an email at bill at billmeeks.com. If you have any thoughts about what Rebecca said tonight, if you want to talk about where you're from, love to have you on the show. Uh, past that, I think that does, about does it for this week. It's been a great time. 
Rebecca's almost done one and a half Toblowski's, which is pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, I'm honored. But uh, please join us here next week where we talk to somebody else about where they're from. See you next time.